Psalm number 54, to the chief musician on Naganoth, Maskell, a psalm of David, when the Siphims came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Amen. We know that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his inspired and infallible word. This psalm is dominated by these two words that come at the very beginning. It is as if David is in such extremity that as he comes to pray, there are two words in his mind, two words in his heart, and they burst forth with passion. Save me, O God, he cries. These are heartfelt words. And it is these two words that really dominate the psalm and help us understand what it is all about. So let's just look at this psalm tonight and think about what it means and what it means to us. First of all, let's look at the context. Let's look at the psalm in terms of its history, in terms of where it sits. And the title is very helpful. Uh, the title tells us quite a lot. Some of the titles are quite informative, and certainly this one is. This is a psalm of David, when the Siphims came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself from us? The background to this psalm is one of betrayal. Turn with me over to the book of 1 Samuel, because the book of 1 Samuel gives us the historic setting for these words in the Psalm 54. So 1 Samuel chapter 23. Yeah, and verse 19. Then came up the Siphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood, in the hill of Achilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? So this was the time when David was fleeing for his life, when Saul was intent, such was his jealous rage to have David killed, and David had to flee with his men. And he found himself amongst the people of Ziph, and while they may have pretended to be David's friends, they were his enemies because they went to Saul and they said, David is with us. And of course, that put David into even more danger. 
But we have it again over in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26. It seems that the Siphites were acting as Saul's special intelligence agents. They were out to trap David, to discover where he was and to let Saul know. And the Siphites came, verse 1, unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Achilah, which is before Jeshimon? And so here was David just with his, with his few men. He had quite a number, but they were no match for the armies of Israel. And the king was against them with all of his power. And, and a day when the Philistines were making inroads upon Israel, Saul was more concerned with getting rid of David, one of his own people. And it was because he feared David. And the Siphites were part of the story, always intent on telling Saul where David was. So this was a, a very dark chapter in the life of David. This was the same set of circumstances that caused him to flee to the high priest. And Saul, of course, went and, and slew the priests that were in Nod. So these were desperate days. It seemed there was no respite. Wherever he went, there was betrayal. There were so very few people that he could trust. Who could he trust? And so he cried out, save me. So we get a sense from the history of the darkness of the days. But let's understand this psalm theologically now. David asked God to save him by his name. Do you see that? Save me, O God, by thy name. Save me by your name. What does that mean? Save me by your name. You see, the names of God teach us who God is. The names of God teach us something about God's character, something about God's person. And there are actually three names for God in this psalm. In verses 1 and 4, we have Elohim. And that is translated, God, save me, O God. Verse 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. Now this is the God of creation. This is the word that's used of God when he created the heavens and the earth. This is the supreme God who stands alone in his sovereign power. This is the God of providence who rules all things. Therefore, David was making his great appeal to the God of creation. One who was stronger and greater than Saul. In days of extremity, he lifted his eyes to the one who made all things. Elohim. And then there is the word Adonai. In the verse 4, you see the word Lord. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Now that's Adonai. And generally where you see Lord with the lowercase, that is Adonai. And that means master. The one who is personal authority over us. The one who is our Lord. The one to whom we're accountable. He is the one who calls us to submit ourselves to him. 
And David was one who did submit himself to God. He was one who had faith. He was one who trusted the Lord. And with this trust and with this faith, he comes before his Adonai, his master. But then you have Jehovah. And that's in the verse 6 where we have the uppercase Lord. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord. I will praise thy name, O Jehovah. For it is good. Now this was the, the holiest name for God. This was the name that is given to the God of Israel. And to the God of Israel alone. Jehovah. This was the name that was given to Moses at the burning bush. James Montgomery Boyce said that scholars are divided on the exact meaning of the name Jehovah. But that is because it is so great and so encompassing that nothing we can say ever seems to do it justice. The name is the root of the Hebrew verb to be, which is translated I am in Exodus 3.14. It is the present tense, of course. So it reveals God as the eternal present, as the one who has always existed and who will always exist, the unchangeable God. That is exactly what Jehovah is, the unchangeable God. A great and mysterious, wondrous name for God. The God of the covenant, the God who keeps his word, the one who will never fail, the one that we can trust implicitly. Jehovah. So he made his appeal to God because he understood who God is. And these names were carefully chosen. The more we understand who God is, and the more that truth saturates not just our minds but our hearts, the more meaning we'll be able to put into our prayers. Whenever you're in the presence of someone who is great, you could understandably feel a little intimidated. You're in the presence of someone who is famous, someone who's powerful perhaps, but that's only a person, only a human being, only a sinner. But all that we could understand tonight that as we come to pray, we're in the presence of great and holy and glorious God of creation who never changes. If only we could grasp that and we have an audience with him and he's got his ear open to us. If only we could grasp that we would pray with greater fervency and more urgency. But let's think of this personally now. What this means to us as individuals. The God of David is our God. He has given us promises. He has made us his children. When we do not know where to turn, where we feel betrayed, where we feel that others have let us die, where do we go? We go to the Lord because He is the one whom we can trust. We're so apt to look around at others. And David, very often, he didn't look around at others. He didn't look around at the circumstances. He didn't look around at the troubles he was in, but he had got himself into a place here where wherever he looked, there was despair. And so we had no choice not to look around, not to look up 
Not to look for his earthly friends, but to look to the friend who sticketh closer than a brother. And so he looked up to God. Because God was his God. And so he cried, because God would never fail. God would never betray him. He said, save me, O God, by thy name. Save me. You get the, the personal there, don't you, in Psalm 54, verse 1. That God was his God. Save me. I need your help now, Lord. Will you not come? Despite his troubles and, yes, his failings, David is a wonderful example of faith. He teaches us to share our burdens with God. God knows our burdens. He knows our needs before we bring them to him, but yet he delights to hear us talking to him, telling us, telling him how we feel. You see, David believed something, that this God whom he cried was his helper. Behold, God is my <coughs> helper. God is one that helps us. You see the word behold there in the verse 4? He says in verse 3, For stranger risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them, Selah. Behold, God is my helper. Oh, all this is going on. Behold, God is my helper. If only we could understand what that means. God is our helper. To have God giving you help. Well, who else? Do we really need? Spurgeon said he saw enemies everywhere. And now to his joy, as he looks upon the band of his defenders, he sees one whose aid is better than the help of all men. He is overwhelmed with joy at recognizing his divine champion. And so he cries, Behold. He was leaning on the everlasting arms, wasn't he? That's exactly what he was doing. The faithful God. And even before the answer came, David believed in his deliverance. In the verse 6, he was actually offering sacrifices of gratitude. He was praising God's name, for he knew the Lord was good. For he had delivered me out of all trouble. And mine eye had seen his desire upon mine enemies. Even before Saul was taken away. You see, that was why. And it's the same set of circumstances. That was why when... And Saul was before David. And David could have lifted his spear or his sword and slew Saul. The opportunity was there. He was encouraged to do this. But he wouldn't do it, touching up the Lord's anointed. Because he had the faith to believe. God would undertake. He hath delivered me out of all trouble. He said that before the deliverance actually came. That's faith. That's the power of prayer at work. And what peace that gives in the midst of every storm. We have to learn to do that. And when we hardly know where to turn, let's just simply rest on the one who is our shield and our defender. But let's think of this finally in terms of Christ. Many Bible expositors identify a messianic element in this psalm. And we do see Christ in all the scriptures. And we see Christ here. And this is particularly true of the third verse. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. And there you see the Lord in 
those final desperate hours as the Jews, they bent their wills to have the Lord taken. As Judas was so complicit in his betrayal and here David is betrayed and Christ was betrayed. As the disciples, they fled. And strangers, they rose up against the Lord. And the Roman soldiers, they executed him. And the crowds, they mocked him and jeered him. Here we see Christ and all of his sufferings, greater sufferings than that which David ever experienced. William de Burr said, this is one of the proper psalms for the commemoration of the crucifixion of Christ. And Augustine of Hippo, one of the church fathers said, Saul was bearing the figure of a temporal kingdom and also that David himself was bearing the figure of Christ body of Christ. Saul represented the kingdoms of men. Kingdoms of men that oppose Christ, that oppose the people of God. So it is today, you think of the, the kingdoms of men, you think of the governments of this world, you think of our own government and these wicked laws that are being imposed upon us. And you think of the temporal, secular world and how it is so vicious and it's assault upon truth and upon the morality of God's law. Then you see David, and he represents the Christ, the Christ who too suffered, the Christ who too was put to shame, the Christ who laid down his life. And yet, who was triumphant? It was David, and it was certainly Christ. For although he died, he rose again, victorious in death and victorious in resurrection. The strangers were vanquished, and thank God, Jesus lives. Behold, God is my helper. What a great and a wonderful thought that is. That tonight in our own lives individually and the church collectively can step constantly into the ground of the resurrection of Christ. And it is with that hope and that prospect we say, Save me, O God, for thank God, Jesus Christ lives. He's a living saviour tonight. And whatever your personal struggles might be, thank God we have this great God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. Who is at our right hand. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. So let us come to the Lord tonight with the words of verse 6. On our hearts, I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Amen.